0: Wait, that sounds very familiar. Happy Groundhog's Day, everybody. This episode's coming out on uh, February 2nd, so... Fun one.
1: We should release it on the 3rd, 4th, and 5th, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be great.
0: We're going to finish going through Mike Acton's list of things he expects from developers. A few weeks ago, we started this. We'll share our thoughts and reactions to his assessment. Uh, You don't have to listen to the first episode to understand this one, though you might want to check it out. But before we get started,
1: Will, what's been grounding your hog? (laughs) That's a a weird way to put it. Yeah, It is the same (laughs) thing over and over again. Kind of glad that the holidays are over. Yeah, it's just a lot of stress uh, this time of year. And uh, or well, that time of year. So that's the main thing. I'm just I'm sort of pleased to be on the other side of You know, all the eating, all the cooking, all the traveling, all the shopping, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's where I'm coming from right now. How about you?
0: I am getting over being sick. I uh, wasn't sure we were going to record. Was it Thursday or Friday last week? I texted you. I don't remember. But uh, yeah, I I spent all of New Year's in bed pretty much because I was sick. I did not go out. I woke up with a pretty high fever. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what I've been up to lately. Um, Didn't get anything done. My Christmas tree is still up. And y'all can't see it, but Will can. Um, My office is halfway rearranged. I was in the middle of rearranging it when I got sick. And uh, so... But half, halfway done with uh, moving stuff around in the office and had planned on uh, taking down the Christmas decorations and stuff um, over the weekend. And yeah, that did not happen. So that's probably going to take place tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the plan for now. Saving money is hard, especially during the holidays. Yeah. Lucas Casares
0: is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually
1: out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us at Complete Developer Podcast, he focuses on helping you to not only establish a real plan, but also to take action on that plan so that you can create the kind of life that you want to live. Guys,
0: investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finance. And with the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself.
1: Level Up also has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey.
0: The best part of this whole thing is that Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. And what that means is he's not here to sell you a product, but to help guide you to a better financial situation.
1: And if you're interested and you want to catch some of the wisdom... Uh, That he offers for free, you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics that you probably face. And he interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their own careers. And you can learn even more at levelupfinancialplanning.com.
0: Mike Acton gave a talk at the Game Developers Conference back in 2019. In that talk, he detailed behaviors that he expects from the developers he works with on a regular basis. They are positive statements that he then discusses the problems arising from a lack of set behavior.
1: In a previous episode, we reacted to the first half of Mr. Acton's list. We gave ourselves a time box to keep from going over and to better facilitate discussion. As with the first set, sometimes we'll agree with him and sometimes we may not.
0: So to make this easier, just like the first round, and be able to hit all of them we've grouped related behaviors and while still keeping the original order some we're going to talk about as a group others we may discuss individual basically it's just the second half of the list from that previous episode that we're we're going to be going through now yeah that's nothing nothing special about it y'all it's a, it's pretty much the same thing we had that whole list in that one where we ended, I just cut that copy and pasted it into this one because somebody did not feel well this weekend and did not want to write an episode.
1: <laughs> hey, it works.
0: We we had this sort of in the to do in the next couple of weeks, so it was just like, hey, this, this was good timing for me to get sick. It's ever good timing to get sick. I don't know.
1: Yeah, if there's ever a good time. Y'all know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, a good time to get sick is on a roller coaster in front of people you hate. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's, let's go ahead. You would. Yeah. So the first one is, I can articulate the finite set of hardware I am designing my solution to work for. And I understand why he said this, uh, you know, coming from the perspective of a game developer. Now things are a bit more interesting, Um, you know, with your common business apps. I wonder... Well, I guess it's it's articulate not enumerate. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like I could say, yep, it runs on Linux and, you know, it'll run anywhere that's, you know, POSIX compliant and do the thing. I mean, the
0: question is, does your web app run on IE11?
1: <laughs> well, you know, I figure that whoever's testing it on IE11 is probably so disconnected from reality now that I get a pass. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. I uh, Yeah. I had to develop for that at one point yeah. in time. And oh you like, missed hey. you missed the Netscape and IE days and Oh I, I didn't miss Yeah, they missed you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, those were well, I remember
0: Netscape. I'm trying to think when I got out of so it was what, ninety-nine, two thousand that I stopped like doing it like seriously learning and just sort of became a background hobby picked it up a little bit in the mid 2000s er, mid yeah, early been. teens that was when i built that site in the early teens
1: yeah i'm trying to think you know cuz i remember dealing with it in like 2008 and you know maybe back to probably the 2000
0: yeah yeah now i during that time frame i really wasn't doing much development development More just sort of maintaining things and maybe some WordPress stuff. But
1: that's not it. Yeah, I don't know that I would say that I can articulate the finite set of hardware. I think that's the thing I have problems with. Like if I'm writing low-level stuff, you know, like a game engine, you know, where I'm having to directly interface with the hardware, then yes, I should be able to articulate that. But if I'm dealing with something that's in, you know, a browser sandbox... Right. Like I would, I would say, okay, you know, it runs on the V8 engine or it runs on, that makes sense to me versus going, oh, here's all the hardware it'll run on.
0: Yeah. And I think this may be where, like you said earlier, where the, the disconnect between game development and development in general happens. Because you and I are both web developers, so we do some other stuff, but it's primarily web development is what we get our, our paychecks for. And so we're not dealing with some of the same stuff that that game developers are. I mean, I've I have done some uh, mobile development, and
1: yeah, and mobile's got a lot of the same kind. I mean, it, it's it's the way things used to be on the desktop. Yeah, that's true. You that's really true. had to go. Okay, you know what screen sizes can I support? You know what what happens if they're you know doing something weird with their font rendering to make it bigger or. They're running some ancient version of Windows or they're running some international version of Windows because, you know, I ran into some stuff with that years ago. So, yeah, I mean, I guess basically the way I would re- rephrase this is I can articulate the finite set of platforms I'm designing my solution to work for. And wh- whatever you're sitting on top of is your platform. And, you know, if the underpinnings of said platform don't work, that's the platform's problem, not your problem. Of course, it's actually going to be your problem anyway. But you know, like it's it's not useful for the purposes of articulating the points. No, I'd go at it. That makes sense.
0: So the next group of uh, of these is about understanding system performance. So we we've talked about the hardware. Now we're going to talk about system performance. So the first one is I have recently profiled the performance of my system.
1: And the next is, I have recently profiled memory usage of my system.
0: Then I have used multiple different profiling methods to measure the performance of my system.
1: And the final one is, I know how to significantly improve the performance of my system without changing the input-output interface of the system.
0: Yeah, again, many of these are probably more, I would say mobile and game. Yeah. mobile game. Sorry, I couldn't help it. Unless you're doing a PWA for your mobile app, and then all bets are off. But, you know, whatever.
1: Well, then you're just toast. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yay, toast. Sorry, yeah. I couldn't help it. I like this. Um, I will tell you that as far as, like, I have recently profiled the performance of my system, I can't think of very many places I've ever worked where that happened on regular basis unless something was wrong. Yeah. Maybe in situations where you've got to have, you know, a turnaround on something within some kind of SLA, I could see that as far as like, you know, we've got to run these these reports in this amount of time, otherwise we don't get any money. And so the reports have to be this fast. That makes sense. But
0: I mean I had a conversation about performance earlier today because we're like we had a, a meeting about the next feature that we're going to be, be building. Onto this app that just went into production before Christmas, and it's actually I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it. It's going to be a bit tricky. Like, I think at one point I said I'm going to have to break out my big whiteboard for this one. Nice, you know. But there was a few things, and I'm like, all right. If you want that to happen in real time, it's going to drastically slow the load. I mean, you know, it's like you already think it's slow. Sometimes now it's going to go to a snail pace, and so we probably need to offload some of that. And so we kind of got into a conversation of system performance and stuff. Like that. when when you get into, I mean, I don't know, I haven't done much with with working in containers in a professional setting. Just a educational layer yeah. kind of thing. When you're when you're there, like containers in the cloud. How much are you looking at the individual container performance when you're setting stuff up? I mean, you're going
1: to do it to some degree. Yeah. But yeah, I just haven't seen a whole lot of people doing that. Of course, it's also been, you know, there've been separate DevOps groups, you know, and then I look at stuff like I've recently profiled memory usage of my system. It's like, well, yeah, but kind of, kind of not right. Like, especially for web front ends, it's like you're running in Chrome. It's a pig, no matter what you're going to do.
0: Yeah, well, I, mean, <laughs> I have kind of a little bit of both of those because I was having some issues with my
1: VM because it's interesting Yeah, I recently had to do that because of WSL
0: yeah so it's interesting developing net on a Mac because you you know I'm running a Windows VM to do a lot of that if we could get away from yeah certain things I could just build it on the Mac side but you know
1: yeah, I'm in the same boat with with Linux. All of our yeah. stuff would work just fine on there, but there's just a couple things we gotta have. And mm-hmm. um yeah. we did run into some of that just because of the way that um, you know, because we were running Docker Desktop and uh WSL mm-hmm. and there was it basically was allocating all the RAM to itself. I mean, at some points, like I'd move the mouse cursor and it would take a second before it showed up where it was supposed to be. And yeah, we I mean we got that fixed, obviously we, we got better machines, but yeah, people do this stuff when stuff goes wrong in industry. Yeah. Like they don't you know, in general, unless it's just an absolute world class organization with thousands of developers, you know, most orgs really they don't have the bandwidth or the kind of people that are good at this.
0: So I, I would think going back to the the difference in Game development versus web development versus mobile development. That this is something, especially in game development, where you well, maybe older game development. I don't know. These days, consoles tend to have be a lot beefier. But uh, I would yeah. still think it is. It is something. Have you ever looked into like some of the the
1: weird stuff they did, like in the Nintendo?
0: Yeah, yeah. I've read some of that, and I'm like, man, yeah. Those are those are the, like I, I get it because you you had to come up with a way to do it. And it's like it's it's really where creativity shines in development. Go go look at some of the stuff they did. It may seem crazy these days, but think about the constraints they had and what they built with so little. And it's all the creativity of those developers. Those those
1: guys are just amazing. Yeah. Let's see, I've used multiple different profiling methods to measure the performance of my system. Again, I, I don't see this typically in business apps unless there is a problem. And even then, multiple different profiling methods, you know, unless they got it for free, you know, through some other, you know, they've got, or not free, but, you know, it's already included Yeah, yeah. somehow. Right. Let's see, I know how to significantly improve the performance of my system without changing the input-output interface of the system. I like that in terms of being able to say, yes, this is what's slow. Here's how we would fix it. You know, we don't have to increase the size of the VM. You know, we don't have to scale horizontally to make this happen. I like that one. I think that's actually the one that probably matters and you get that by profiling, or at least you get a reliable uh, answer to that by profiling. So the
0: next behavior we have is I know specifically how I can and will debug live release builds of my work when they fail. And this is something we, we deal with in web development.
1: Yeah, a lot. Because you, you start looking at things like, okay, well, it's running on their, their browser. You know, It's running in an environment that you don't completely control. And they may have some you know, plugin that stops stuff from happening or that moves elements or that does something weird. How do you determine where the problems are there? you know, what does your audit log strategy look like? How do you record actions of a user so you can debug after the fact, you know, like when you can't step through? I, I think this is a spot a lot of developers are, are pretty weak on, though.
0: Oh, I know this is this is an area that i actively working on improving in my own code base, um, it, both personally and professionally, just because it's, it's an area that I know I haven't been the strongest in. But it's an area that like it's almost everybody has a weak. This is a weak spot for almost everybody. So
1: well, because you don't poke around at a release build most of the time, unless there's something wrong with it, you know, it's just, you don't get in there. I mean, heck you might break something, screwing around with it. Yeah. So, I mean, I I get it. All right. So the next section is IO for the solution. So The first item in this section is, I know what data I am reading as part of my solution and where it comes from. (laughs) So the next one is,
0: I know how often I am reading data I do not need as part of my solution.
1: The next is, I know what data I am writing as part of my solution and where it is used.
0: Then I know how often I am writing data I do not need as part of my solution.
1: And the final one is, I can articulate how all the data I use is laid out in memory.
0: Well, I got all the do not need ones there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's strange because it makes it sound like a game developer is using an ORM. You know, because like, I mean, seriously, you, you see this with people that are overly attached to an ORM. I mean, look, they're useful. But where they can't do SQL under the hood and they can't tell what's what's actually happening at the database level. I mean, just like looking at what data you're reading could be as simple as, oh, hey, this, this thing, every time something happens on the page, it's calling back to the server to get this data again, and it's not cached, you know, or writing data that you don't expect to write. So, you know, you've got a payload coming in on a post. You think you're just changing two fields because that's what the UI does, but you don't realize that some other piece of UI is using that same endpoint and they added stuff and now you're writing to fields you didn't think you were writing to there, there's a lot of that kind of stuff and i think i think these are all idealized i think the other part of that too is because we are so many steps of abstraction away from where the data lives and it's you know kind of a distributed app by default you know with all the statelessness this is hard to do as a web dev as far as like how the data you know, you're using is laid out in memory that is a low level like I'm dealing with hardware type stuff or I'm dealing with the structure of a PDF or some document or something like that you're probably not going to be worried about how the heap is organized when you're doing stuff in JavaScript
0: yeah
1: and if you're at the point where you're worried about the JavaScript heap you're either working on a JavaScript engine or it's working on you
0: I mean I've, I've had to do some stuff with um, uploading files and um, file storage and file transfer that did kind of get into, into a bit of this or running into to data limits and stuff in memory. And yeah, it was it was tricky figuring that stuff out because where we ran into the issue was, I think I've talked about this application before. And this was one of the last things I worked on at my previous job. But so we had had this proof-of-concept that a different developer had had written. And it was a really great proof-of-concept. And then they're like, all right, implement it. And so that got turned into the implementation for a very, very specific use case. And it was phenomenal, mostly, at that use case. There was a couple of issues, but there's always a couple of issues. It, it did a good job at that. But then they're like, oh, hey, now we need to do something kind of similar to that. Like, this was running for, like, I'm going to get this. This was, like, a console app for uploading files, for transferring files from one place to another. And they're like, all right, now we we need files to go to that place, but we need them to come from the web to go to that place. So we need, need you to, like, tack that on.
1: Yeah, that's not something you just tack on.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so this is how this monstrosity became the problem that it was and mind you this all took place within about 2 years it wasn't it wasn't like over 20 years or something it was a short time frame and we're like oh my goodness this is out of hand and the architect and I sat down and we're like all right we got to fix this and so we we spent about a week designing out our dream system and then he took it and got it approved. I mean, that was kind of awesome. But uh, yeah, so that that's how we, we ended up doing that. But like, man, getting in there and like having to solve the problems in that old system was, it was tricky. And that was where you need to be able to do these sorts of things, especially yeah. when you're dealing with with file transfers and uploads and stuff like that.
1: Well, I mean, I remember, you know, dealing with, you know PDF data at a low level and how the system would interact with PDFs and having to do things like there's a it's kind of a structure that tells where objects are located, yeah. And so you, you want that structure to be balanced so that it's a so that when you search it's it's faster, essentially. And you're dealing you know with memory layouts when you're doing that kind of stuff. And so I totally get it and I know it you know from back in the day doing Windows API stuff you had to know how things were laid out you know in memory. Oh yeah, yeah. And you had to know how big everything was, you know, because you might get a buffer overflow. I mean, I, I get it on the web. I don't, you know, to be honest, I don't see this very much. Now, I I guess you could see it where like you know what your data structures are. Like here's here's what my object looks like, but I'm probably not enumerating it in memory. I'm calling through property accessors or something like that to get the data. Not going, oh, you know, it's this it's this many bytes from the beginning of the raw data and, you know, I get my N32 there and it's a pointer to this other thing. You know, there's a reason we've moved away from that. Probably several reasons. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, it it makes sense, right? Like, and and knowing I, I would almost for the web, I would almost replace a lot of this stuff with knowing how my HTML is laid out. Like the structure I've got around stuff that I'm doing or knowing how the database tables are laid out and how those are structured and being able to to interact there. Because that is one place where you'll get burned with this stuff a lot is at the database level. And if you look at many web shops right now, that's an area that everybody stinks at. I mean, you'll see just an unbelievable number of hits. I mean, I've been doing some stuff with a GraphQL-based system. And... Sometimes you'll load a page and you'll see hundreds of calls going back to the server that are GraphQL calls to get one little thing because you know they they'll pull like the root that you know the aggregate root and then they're like oh here's the you know the foreign key lookups when it comes back over here we'll pull it client side you know it's like a select n plus one with a caching layer in the middle oh my goodness of, yeah and so there's some strange stuff that is in the system from a previous consulting company and we're cleaning that up so I would. I would say that kind of stuff is the equivalent of this chunk of stuff for us as web devs.
0: Yeah, I've been looking at uh, at some of the stuff with uh, Angular routing. Because yeah. I'm like, all right, I've got this. Basically, it's the data that goes into the dropdowns. And I'm like, all right, I'm building this new page. Can I pass that over? Or do I have to literally call and cuz was trying to get it to call a cache but it wouldn't even do that it's like all right it's just going to make the call all the way to the yeah it's it's it was a tricky afternoon we'll just say that getting the routing working on that angular routing is weird y'all
1: so about like the activated route snapshot and all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah oh. it is it's interesting
0: we'll just say that
1: yeah try try to do it in a react uh, a large react app with no redux <laughs> for holding the state. <laughs> there's uh, there's spots that are entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's all good.
0: So the next group that we have is terminology and ways of thinking. And I know Will and I definitely have opinions on both of those. Sometimes they're the same. So the first one here is, I never use the phrase platform independent when referring to my work.
1: The next one is I never use the phrase future proof when referring to my work. Okay. I wouldn't say platform independent. I would say that my, you know, that a lot of code gets written as platform agnostic. Which there's a difference, right? Like you if you're independent of I don't know, your your national government, you're not depending on them for anything. If you're agnostic of your national government, you can still get arrested. And it's Kind of like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure, again, going back to game development, and I don't really know much of anything about game development outside of the uh, JS13K challenge, which is, you know, if y'all aren't familiar with it, I did it back when we first started the podcast. I participated in it. I did not even come close to placing. But uh, it's building a game, a JavaScript game, which is only 13K in size. Huh. Yeah. Um, and they've got the whole reason for that. I forget it off the top of my head. We should do an episode about it. That'd be fun. But yeah, anyway, Yeah. I, it, it may be a more of a game development phrase.
1: Yeah, or a mobile phrase. Mobile I mean, it's the same yeah. kind of deal, right? Like you're dipping through the platform to the underlying mm-hmm. system. Uh, whereas for us, we're in a situation where, barring something unusual, we really don't get to do that because we're inside a browser sandbox, and it's double plus ungood if you <laughs> breach that <laughs> for, with your website. Like that's a that's not something we're really uh, supposed to be doing. Server side, that's a, that can be a little bit different, right? When you're starting yeah. to talk about you know the file system and, and those kind of things, I still would typically not say platform independent. I would say it's more tolerant of different platforms
0: or going back to what we were talking about earlier when you are saying, you know, instead of finite set of hardware, finite set of platforms.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, you you would say, okay, I I am relatively browser independent, but Mm -hmm. realistically I'm not completely because there's some dude out there that is, you know, running, you know, like internet explorer five or something. That's going to hit your website and be unhappy, or some bot or something. You know, it's yeah. it's abstracted enough where it it doesn't hit me most of the time, but you still can get hit.
0: Have you gotten into the Node.js JS browsing?
1: No JS or, or Node or no zero huh. JavaScript. That's interesting, isn't it? Like all the stuff you can do with with CSS and with just plain old HTML. Oh yeah, and out of the box,
0: so many sites actually work pretty decent with it. And you don't have a lot of the problems. Uh, yeah. i kind of, kind of enjoy it every now and then. Just turn off JavaScript and go contemplating downloading a specifically no JavaScript browser, so I don't yeah. have to like go in and toggle Chrome.
1: Yeah, it just seems like there's just enough stuff that isn't quite there. Yeah, but I mean, I wonder, you know, how much stuff could actually be specified in the DOM? Like, could you specify at some point in the future? Obviously. Like, here yeah. is the, you know, here, here is, well, I can't really have worker threads, but, like, here's a database in in memory. Yeah. You know, that the browser understands that through a, at a DOM level, not at a JavaScript level. Like, could they do that? I don't even know if they have that yet. I mean, that might be a thing. You know, they're already doing things like CSS transitions and, you know, all, all those kind of things can be, can be done with yeah. JavaScript.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of really cool CSS transitions that uh, are not no JavaScript and a lot of fascinating stuff.
1: Yeah, Seriously. and you start getting things like data binding that are that's like built in. If if that was in the the language, you know how much JavaScript do you actually need.
0: Talk about future proofing. You know, I mean, yeah, and that's how you future proof
1: <laughs> uh, to some degree. Uh, you know, once yeah. the standard is is open, it's probably you know or once it's you know, standard. Uh, it's stuck. Uh, as far as future proofing, you never future proof anything. That's like idiot proofing something. It's not a thing. There is always a bigger future, and there is always a bigger idiot. That's like integers. It's, That's it's just a natural. Like world. with it. So yeah. yeah, but yeah, I've I've heard people go, "Oh, we're gonna future proof this thing for da da da." It's like you don't know what the future is, dude. If you if you knew what the future was, you wouldn't be coding. You would be buying lottery tickets. Hmm. Or real estate back in the day when it was cheap. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's some cheap now that's going to be really valuable in the future because there's going to be like a, you know, some mineral found underneath or something that we don't know about yet, but whatever.
0: Or Nashville will just keep expanding.
1: Yeah. Eventually Nashville will eat the world
0: pretty much. It feels like.
1: Okay, so the next one is time management, which happens to be our 2023 theme. For the podcast, and the first one is I can schedule my own time well,
0: and the next one is I am vigilant about not wasting others' time. I want more of that in my life.
1: Yeah, I do too. I, like that, I should say not. You know as far as scheduling your own time well, I, I do largely agree with this, but I would add a caveat here that it is I can schedule my own time well, given the goals of this of of what I'm doing as I understand them as they've been put to me.
0: Also, I think it's, it has to do with a little bit of introspective knowledge of, Hey, when do I work at my best? Yeah. You know, like for example, I know that early afternoon I am not at my peak performance. That's why I go to the gym on my lunch break because it, it actually peps me up. It gives me more energy. So I'm not dragging during that time, but I'm still not cognitively at my peak performance. So, you know what I do? I come back and, you know, we we're supposed to do so much training. I just spread it out and I do some training after I get back from the gym. And, you know, by by the time I get through a lesson, 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour on a, you know, big one. But... I get through one, one of those lessons. I'm like, all right, ready to jump into it. Either that or I've got a meeting. To yeah. But, you know, yeah, I'm ready to, to jump in and get, get going again. Because I've kind of I've come back out of that trough. But I, I recognize that about myself. So I scheduled my time wisely around when I'm not going to be at my
1: peak. Yeah. And as far as the I am vigilant about not wasting others' time, I would add also. I'm vigilant about not wasting others' attention, which is a very different thing, and it's not as bad now as it used to be when everybody had to go into the office. Uh, but I worked with a guy, and our nickname for him was Radio because you could hear him a thousand yards away with no wire. And he would come in, and he would he would waste my boss's time telling him about every little bit of minutia that he'd worked on that day. I mean, like down to oh well, I did a for loop, and then da, 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 and it's like, dude you've been coding for 20 something years why are you doing this but he was so loud that nobody else could focus on that side of the building and so being aware of that kind of stuff you know and and it also you know goes out to hey do i push a pr out there that's garbage that doesn't meet the requirements and somebody has to look at it and go hey yo dog you didn't put any of the stuff in here that's got to be here so that kind of stuff I, I I take that pretty seriously.
0: I've honestly been guilty of getting excited about something working, but I forgot to run the unit test, and it was a it wasn't an issue with the code. It was the test needed to be updated to, for the new code. And I'll i put it out there, and then the automatic tests run and it fails. I'm like,
1: oh. Well, and that I mean, you're chewing up time on the build server, and yeah, if you've got a finite number of agents, that's wasting other people's time. Uh, so I would just broaden the perspective of what it means about wasting time.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So the uh, the next set that we have, and this was yeah, I get the largest set we've addressed, are professional interactions. While the previous one could technically be considered a professional interaction, it was better placed in your time management. So these have to do with interacting with others in a professional setting. First off is, I actively seek constructive feedback and take it seriously.
1: The second one is, I'm not actively avoiding any uncomfortable professional conversations.
0: Followed by, I am not actively avoiding any professional conflicts.
1: Next is, I consistently interact with other professionals professionally.
0: Bit redundant there. Perfect yeah. for Groundhog's Day. Next is I can articulate what I believe others should expect from me.
1: And the final one is I do not require multiple reminders to respond to a request or complete work. I pretty much agree with these. I yeah. uh, I will say actively avoiding any uncomfortable professional conversations that can depend a little bit. Um any uncomfortable professional conversations that you need to be having. Yes. You shouldn't be trying to avoid those, but there's a subset of those that you really do need to be actively avoiding, you know, such as, Hey, your boss writes crap code, but he's, you know, getting a new job in a month. You know, it, it may be wise to just not say anything and go on. You can fix it when he's gone. Yeah. I mean, there's being direct
0: and there's being rude.
1: Yeah. And I would also say there's a lot of people that feel very, very comfortable starting uh, what they consider to be a professional conversation about a problem when it's really just complaining.
0: Oh, yeah. Now, that that is something that um, I was reading about in one of my leadership books, which one, about like, don't turn, like, sometimes we need to vent and just to like, you know, for the catharsis of it. But don't turn that into a complaining session. Like, out and move on.
1: Yeah, it's a shower, not a marinade. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, when you're you're complaining about the same thing in a year, either stop complaining about it, fix it, or move on. Mm -hmm. Now, I've been in several jobs where there was, you know, there were some pretty pathological things going on. And there were, you know, professional conversations that needed to happen that really could not. And, you know, ultimately it was the reason I moved on uh, one way or another. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I would I would say it's, it's pretty uh, important. I would also say articulating what you believe others should expect from you. This is a good thing to be able to say, okay, when you're talking to your boss, articulate what you think the rest of the team should expect from you and then see if that matches their expectation. That's how you find out about the... You know, the biases that you or your boss are bringing to the table, you know, so that they can be addressed versus them going, Oh, yeah, he should be able to be here 80 hours a week. It's like, dude, I'm not going to be here 80 hours a week. That's not reasonable.
0: No, yeah, I mean, you're lucky if you get Will for 70, 75. I
1: mean, you know, not anymore. I'm, I'm way better about this than I used to be. I
0: know. I know. I'm picking on you, man. I'm picking on you. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, when it comes to that, I got I got burnout early on in my career where we had a we came back from the holidays and found out, oh, hey, we're supposed to go to production into in, two, in what, a month. And we had two things to finish before we we went and we came back to 30 things because yeah. we got a new business analyst who found a bunch of stuff that we, like, the previous one had not, like, not known about. Uh, like, basically, it was stuff that as the, like, the test users were starting to use it, things came to light that were never mentioned by them before. And it's like, it's, I'm, I'm trying not to put blame on anyone, because it wasn't any one particular person's fault. Though we probably did get grumpy and blame the new Business analyst because you know she came in and all of a sudden everything blew up and we had this death march for two months.
1: You remember yeah, that, well, yeah? <laughs> well, you know what she did is she made it a fire instead of an explosion. Yeah, right. Because yeah. it's like, hey, we we've got runway. We could deal with this now. Yeah, or yeah. you could deal with it all at once later.
0: Yeah, but like it was, it, it was like I, we were probably uh, more frustrated with her than we should have been because it wasn't her fault. She came into the situation and was like, Hey, we need to address this and found out this stuff. And it wasn't the previous one's fault because, you know, she hadn't known it was a need. And so, yeah, it was just like, it was, it was a mess, but uh, yeah, I am, I'm pretty strict about that too. These days, I'm like, you know, I'm, I've got, I also, I've got too much stuff going on. So do you, but when you, when, when you don't live for work, but you work to live where it's like, Hey, this provides the ability for me to live the life that I want. Then stuff has
1: to get fixed.
0: Yeah. Then you're like, it changes your priorities. It changes the way you think. And when you start thinking that way outside of yourself, I think this is a big thing is thinking that way outside of yourself. You start putting other people in that place of, Hey, they're not here for me to get a paycheck. They're here for them to get a paycheck. They're going to do their job while they're here and then they're going to go home and do their thing. Yeah. And it changes the way you interact with people and the way you have expectations from them and what you like, how you perceive their expectations from you.
1: Yeah. Well, and it makes it where you both are there, you know, basically for your own interests. Yeah. You know when you're solving a problem it's like yes i'm I'm here with the client's interest because if the client is unhappy, I don't get paid and neither do you um so let's fix this problem so that we can not you know you know not to be uh, you know of a mindset that's like okay well we've got to fix this problem because it's it's wrong to have this problem or my you know this helps my career but it doesn't do anything for you yeah
0: and I'm not trying to boil software development down to random objectivism but I mean, it does kind of come down to hey, you know, I'm here for to do a job that I enjoy. And I, I really enjoy my job. I enjoy the people I work with. I have a great team, great leadership. Like, I'm in a good place work wise, but I do the job so that I can go out and buy a keyboard, buy a guitar, buy lenses yeah. for my camera. Like, or so just that eat. Can, Yeah. 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 Do that too. Eat, survive.
1: Oh, I've seen you do it. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. But
0: yeah, you know, I that mean, was a lot of
1: Uzbek food too. <laughs> Between the that two was of us. so
0: good, man. That was so good. I ran so much to, to burn those calories, but uh-huh. it was so worth it. Oh, especially that, um, that cake thing at the end. What was that called? Uh, Medivik? Yeah, that yeah. that wasn't yeah. on the menu. I want to go back to that place.
1: Yeah. That was
0: good. That was a really good place. Sorry. We, we, uh. We digressed. Yes. Into, uh, into food talk. All right. So finally, the, the last one we have is pay it forward. We're a group of, uh, talking about kind of giving back. So the first one is I pursue opportunities to return value to the commons when appropriate.
1: The next one is, I actively work to bring value to the people I work with.
0: And finally, I actively work to ensure underrepresented voices are heard. So going back to my previous Randian objectivism statement, this is the counter to that.
1: Yeah, well, okay. So um, I'll, I'll tell you first, when you pay it forward, you learn a lot. When you actually help other people, it you actually learn more from it a lot of times than they do. Uh, you get a deeper appreciation of things and a deeper understanding of things. And it also makes it easier to work with people because they, they kind of know where you're coming from and they're not making mistakes that are causing problems or you're not making mistakes when they're doing the same for you. You know, it it creates a give and take. The last point I, I get where they're coming from. You know, I actively work to ensure underrepresented voices are heard with a caveat. I, I would say to be very careful that you're making sure the underrepresented voice is the one that's being heard, not your voice advocating because it's real easy to go, Oh, this person says this. And, and as you know, member of whatever community, you know, they need this. And that person's over there going, dude, I'm just doing my job. Why are you, why are you bringing me to the forefront? I don't have anything to say here. I've seen that dynamic and you got to be very careful. Like it's great to, make underrepresented voices heard just be sure that it's not your ego doing
0: it. right I was gonna say this is where the introspection comes in and you have to look at yourself and go hey why am I doing this this is something just in my own personal life I've been doing a lot lately uh, looking at hey why, why am I saying this why am I texting this to this person why am I asking this question
1: yeah or why am I reacting like this
0: yeah is it to better everyone's knowledge or is it to make myself look smart because you know you can ask questions and you and I both used to do this in school you can ask questions to make yourself look smart
1: yeah or to make somebody else look dumb
0: yeah
1: um, which I think is is one of the things you got to watch too with with saying oh I'm I'm the champion of the underrepresented it's like are you or are you just jealous and you're trying to tear somebody else down and you're using this person as a shield so that you know, you're basically flaming from cover like that that's the only thing I would kind of watch uh, with that. It's just
0: really it's it comes back to your internal motives and you really gotta watch like ask yourself, why am I doing this? Is it because hey, legitimately this person, they're not being heard. And I'm gonna use an example here from just today. We had this meeting talking about this new feature, and a couple of guys on my team, they're introverted, they're quieter. And then we have some more extroverted ones of us are just louder people in general, and we're we're conversing back and forth. And I could tell, like, just looking at the screen, I'm like, "Hey, the quieter person is trying to ask a question." So in my boisterous, loud voice, I'm like, "Hey guys, let's let's find out what you know what he wants to to say because I'm I'm kind of curious what what he's got to say about this." And yeah, it doesn't go to underrepresented voices. But it goes back to the motive of, hey, what was the reason? The reason that I spoke up there was because I legitimately wanted to hear what my coworker had to say because there have been several times where I've had a good idea and he's been like, oh, hey, that may not work with our system because of this or something like that because he'd been there longer than me. It's like, hey, he knows the system's better. But still, it's like, hey, Going back to what we're saying is just watch your reason behind it and, you know, just check yourself and go, hey, why, why am I standing up for this? Why am I speaking out for this group, for this person? Is it to legitimately help them or is it to make myself look good? And this is a hard yeah. thing
1: to look at in yourself because... Because you know your motives. And a lot of times they are crap motives, even if you do something nice.
0: Yeah. And you, a lot of times we don't want to admit it. Like yeah, we it's real easy for us to rationalize and to go, Oh, yeah, it does make me look good, but I'm actually doing it not to look good. I'm doing it to for this other reason. It's like, Are you really? Yeah, and, uh, is it actually helping the person, or is it you know, you, you really gotta play around with that?
1: Well, and, and also, you may be in a situation where someone is situationally underrepresented. Yeah. Right. So you may have a senior dev who's just having an awful day and they don't want to add anything to the meeting, even though they have useful knowledge because they're just having a bad day and they don't want to talk. So how do you, you know, how do you work that out, you know, versus, oh, some, you know, like larger, you know, over the scale of hundreds of years, this group was oppressed versus this one. Like, I, you know, I get that too, but you can look at it at a microcosm too. And it may just be, hey, this dude normally talks during meetings and he isn't. Maybe I need to figure out what's going on there. He may be sitting there thinking this whole thing is stupid and we're going entirely the wrong direction and, you know, not feel like he can vocalize that and he may vocalize it and you go, Oh, that's a good point. We need to do this completely different, but you won't ever get that if you, you aren't looking for the people who aren't talking.
0: That's true. That's true. All right, guys. This has been a long list. Uh, it took two episodes just to discuss the whole thing. When hearing or reading it, the list may appear overwhelming. And you may think, how can anyone possibly exhibit all of these behaviors? It's probably not possible for any one person to exemplify every single one of the behaviors all the time. Thing is, we need to strive to improve. Especially in the areas where we're not showing these behaviors, like uh, the one that we talked about where everybody has issues. You know, every little step is progress towards becoming a better you and living a better life. That's pretty much all we got. We will catch you guys next week. Stand by
1: for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons.
0: For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with
1: some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.